This is Tectonic, a weekly talk show revolving around the seismic shifts in technology, culture, and the digital age. Hello, I am Joe Darnell, and you're listening to episode number 49, and with me is Mr. Josh DePife. How are you doing? Hey, good evening. Doing well. You know what? I have no beverages in front of me tonight. I thought I would do this dry. <laughs> I've got water, yeah, so it might be, might be a dehydrated episode. I don't know. We'll definitely be uh, better off for it, I think, in other ways. You know, sometimes I think we lose our uh, our edge when we have too many old fashions here in front of the microphones. <laughs> Could be. Now we also have our special guest. I don't know what he is drinking. We are joined by Micah Pogue. Micah, welcome back to the show. Hey, good evening, guys. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you. I am drinking something. It's it's good old fashioned community coffee. Ooh. Ah, maybe I should have you on my other show. This is not that show. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Uh, well, this is this is kind of pertinent, too, because I'm drinking it in a cup that says, keep calm and call Jack Bauer. So <laughs> that is a nerdy cup for a nerdy discussion. It's not too late for you to have coffee. It's a, it's a late Thursday evening. It doesn't bug you? Uh, not really. Uh, it, it just never really has affected me, I guess, um, to drink it at any time of the day. Normally, I just never have a... A habit of drinking it all the time anyway tonight was a really really rainy night it, it was just in the air and mm. it felt great to have a cup yeah it's it's nice to have a warm beverage in the evening when the weather is icky outside i can agree to that but still it's uh, pretty awesome that you're not affected by the the caffeine but yeah like i said that's another show there is an app called caffeine that that's a, the antidote to caffeine and your problems with caffeine. We're going to talk about apps this week. What we're going to break down for us in this episode are our home screens, the apps we use, why we use them, and how we organize the layout of our home screens. But first, I wanted to catch up with you, Micah. We had you last on episode 31. We'll have a link to that episode in the show notes if you want to familiarize yourself with Micah's work. He is an Apple enthusiast. We uh, have had some good conversations offline, and I enjoy your side projects. You created the Mac Enterprise, have done some consulting work, but you've also worked on a farm, and you've worked for a telephone uh, company and Seaspire, and that's actually who's uh, providing your data service for your iPhone, not too shabby. And recently, you took on a new role for another local business. What's up with this? Yeah, so <clears throat> CSPAR Wireless is a is a relatively small uh, wireless company that uh, deals with uh, cell phones and uh, voice over IP devices, uh, fiber internet, and uh, all around fantastic modern company to work for. Uh, they have uh, a foundation of, of really good ethics, and so the, the company culture was great. Uh, I would still be there to this very day ha had a, another opportunity not arisen, um, and completely out of the blue, by the way. Uh, a good friend of mine who owns a local business here in uh, deep south Mississippi in Hattiesburg uh, approached me and uh, my three-month mark at CSPAR Wireless and asked me to come on as an assistant manager for their used car dealership, which is currently beginning to sell uh, new boats and recreational campers. Uh, 
And so the business is growing. He needed more office backup, and I will eventually become the uh, office manager and head comptroller. Um, but it's far more than that, and and not so much wrapped around actually selling vehicles, which is extremely satisfying for me. But uh, I have a lot of uh, influence in how we get work done on our computers, our mobile devices, and uh, how we sell and how we sell efficiently and how things are done. And that's it's really my cup of tea. It's, it's what I like to do. Um, while I am a part of selling vehicles, uh, I'm more uh, behind the scenes, and I like that. Um, this company has never utilized modern social media not one time. And their sales are phenomenal. So they've also brought me on board to become uh, their their social media marketing guru, which is also a very big passion, a passion of mine. And uh, most of what I've learned through that has been just through my own rather meager work. But uh, I've read so much material. I've been able to implement so many strategies. Um, and it's been phenomenal to be able to be in an opportunity now where I can actually uh, contribute in ways that I can see results uh, really fast. And um, so being able to have that control um, is phenomenal. But also, uh, it's the right move financially. It gives me a little more time in the mornings and the evenings to be able to devote to work uh, like podcasting and Apple uh, consulting and uh, getting into things like that. So it's the right move, and it's where I'm at, and I'm going to really uh, sink my teeth into it. So that's where I'm at currently. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Uh, just It sounds like an interesting job, and no, it suits the bill for your your lifestyle and your interests. So congratulations. And what we got in front of us now is our home screen. So everybody whip out your phones and follow along. If you want to see what we're doing, we're going to have screenshots in the show notes so that you can see what our phones looked like today at the time of recording. Um, we got Joshua's this is only a few hours old. His screenshot was from 632 PM tonight. Mine was from 746. And Micah's was from 710. And every iPhone's home screen is one of a kind. Just there's no two quite alike because there's so many personal decisions that go into the apps, the layouts, what comes and goes, whether or not you want to have certain apps like the camera or settings on the home screen. If you want to have some spare spots at the bottom for additional apps you may download at a later time, and then we see that there's even a beta badge on one of Joshua's. Two. We'll get, yeah. Okay, two. Of two. Them. You're right. Yeah. I see two of them. And that's pretty cool. So, oh, and Micah, you're using notification badges on a few apps. We'll get to that and find out exactly what your thoughts are behind using and those. Find out how you live with that many red dots on your screen. <laughs> <laughs> and yet you still have 27 messages in mail and you have 11 messages in Gmail. What's up with that? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's, so, driving me, that's driving me crazy. <laughs> you're already trying to tap your desktop display. <laughs> Come on, what is that going there? Delete the Gmail app. No. <laughs> okay, so I'll start with something that I like. Uh, I have a lot on the home screen and I don't have any open vacancies. Starting at the top, um, everything is laid out with reachability in mind. So I'm not afraid to 
tap my home screen button twice to get the apps to coast down within thumb's reach. And with that in mind, the apps farthest from the bottom, all these up at the top, I use the least, but they're still very handy. So they're on the home screen. We have the settings app, the photos app, one password in Google app, Google maps, sorry, on the top row. And I want to mention one password because I've been using this one for years. I can't imagine taking it away from my home screen. It's had a place in my dock on my Mac and on my iPad, it's on the home screen as well. So one password is really great if you want to store kind of like multiple libraries of passwords, login credentials, credit card information, and secure encrypted notes. If you want to have records of uh, essential social security numbers and multiple logins for Amazon, they can all go in there and they're very secure. You have one password to open up the app so that you can access your libraries. You can use a search, you can favorite your favorite logins so that you can uh, have a a special page just to present you your favorites. And in the vaults, you can have multiple vaults. So you have maybe a vault for your work credentials, and then you have another one for your family and another one just for you so that you don't have to mix and mingle and share all the various accounts with different groups that shouldn't have access to them. And I found that the support from Agile Bits, the developers of this third-party app, uh, they've just been really extraordinary over the years. They keep iterating on one password. It's called one password today, but it's like in version five or six, I forget. And they recently came out with updates that improve uh, syncing abilities and features for the vaults. It's about once a year, they have a pretty stable and secure release. I just, uh, I haven't found any bugs to be amiss in one password. It has a beautiful icon. It sort of marries the best ideas from when the icons were a bit more skeuomorphic. You, you have the keyhole and you got the, the fashion of the material around it. It looks like it's actually a physical metallic keyhole with a blue ring on it. It's a very attractive sort of icon, but it also it's not so three-dimensional that it takes away from the flat aesthetic of iOS 7, 8, and 9. So that's a, my hearty endorsement for 1Password and I imagine long after other apps here on my home screen are gone, 1Password is going to be there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if 1Password is on my home screen for the rest of my life. It's just that solid. And every now and then I'm in there purging out some old passwords, introducing some new ones, updating the accounts so that they're more useful to me on the go, more efficient, more practical. There's great tools in the app like the quick ability to generate new passwords and to customize what how those passwords are generated so that they're either really memorable in the event I need to remember them, or they are more secure by using special characters, uh, capitalizations, small caps, and the like. So check out 1Password if you don't already have it and get it on your home screens. And any of the apps that we're going to talk about in this episode, we'll have linked in the show notes. So check them out. All right, so that's my first recommendation and my first app on my home screen. Micah, let's dive into yours. What's uh, one of the apps of, that's among your favorites? First of all, we well, I find it funny we all have one password on our home screens. Oh yeah, yay one password. Very good, very good application. We run in the right circles. I just noticed we all have our photos 
icon and her app in the same exact location. Oh, that's funny. Oh. That's weird. <laughs> Great minds. Not shared iCloud photo accounts. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, y'all, you were quipping about my Gmail app, but I have to quip about Google Maps app on Joe's home screen. You probably use Google Maps. The same reason I use Gmail. Apple Maps is just n- maybe not quite where we'd all like it to be. Using Gmail in Apple's mail application is far from where it needs to be in my experience. Um, and I used for a long time uh, an app called uh, Mailbox by, well, Dropbox had bought it, and then Dropbox rolled up the project entirely and gave us all a countdown for when we would no longer be able to use that application. And I loved it. It was a phenomenal mail application. Um, since then, I decided, well, I'm just going to delete it since I know it's going to have reach its demise very soon. What am I going to use for my Gmail mail? Um, really, the only reason it's there right now on my home screen is because I'm still getting familiar with it. I'm still trying to figure out if this is the one I want to stick with. Um, I have Spark you mean, on my... You mean- you mean Gmail or Gmail? Mail, okay. Gmail, yeah, the Gmail application. That's like the worst email app. I mean, it's it feels <laughs> like it's like three years old. It's it's good because it it will give you full access to like you know search where searching things in in the mail app is uh, is not handy in using Gmail. I, I rarely use it. I only mm-hmm. use it if I have to really do some hard searches or something like that. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprised that you would you would want to go to the Gmail app as your main. I think it's because I know that when I get finally get to utilize Spark, uh, it will be like heaven. Um, <laughs> and so um, I guess that's part of my thinking as well. Just I want to know I got um, what a lot of people came from. I guess um, and really just I guess that's how I treat every app. I want to thoroughly use it because that's really how I feel I can make a better decision about using it. I mean. Uh, who knows how many people download applications and just flippantly try it and then forget about it or just delete it. You know, I, I really want to make sure this is the right one or not the right one for me. So um, it's not my favorite app by far. So back to the, I guess I need to kind of back up a little bit. Home screens always to me reveal whether the user is generally intentional or passive. Hmm. I'm, I'm going to just put that, posit that as a, as a overarching principle of iPhone home screens particularly, divides the people up between, the users up between either intentional or passive users. But what's beautiful about the iPhone is that it knows no difference. It, it doesn't matter how disorganized you are, how, how organized you are, how many apps you have crammed on your home screen or not, it's going to allow you to get to all of your data in whichever way you decide to get to it. It hadn't always been the case with iPhones. Um, but the iPhone is one of the few platforms that we can do it umpteen hundred ways now and still get the results we desire and how they reflect how we get work done. Um, now, it's it's fast. The iPhone is fast no matter how your applications are organized with the latest iPhones. I mean, we have uh, some phenomenal technology. Real quick side note, what iPhones do you guys have, by the way? I have an uh, iPhone 6S Plus. And it's the the biggest one, uh, 128 gigabytes. I have a 64 gig uh, 6S, and I really am loving it. I tried a 6 Plus before, and I love the screen real estate and the improvements to the camera, but it wasn't worth the physical feel in my pocket to me. And I, I feel like this is just really the right size for my hand. I like the weight of it. I like the scale of it. It's not too small. It's not too big. Yep. 
I've got, I, uh, I had the 6S Plus for about two weeks and then took it back within that two-week window and, and scaled back to the 6S. Um, and, you know, it, it's, uh, it still is a, l- a little bit heavy for me. Uh, I, I think I will consider the 4-inch form factor if they bring it back as long as it's not, like, completely gutted of functionality or something like that. Uh, I just like the, the really lightweight uh, to the smaller ones. But, yeah, uh, interesting. That's great. So, so we have uh, fairly similar devices um, versus you know pretty much the biggest difference is screen size. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you have a really old low storage iPhone, it doesn't even matter how many apps you keep on your iPhone. Um, right now, I have a grand total of one hundred and five apps on my iPhone, and uh, most of them are on um, the other three. Uh, pages of home screens that i have yeah i see Um, you have three springboards there yeah same as you joe uh joseph um or joshua my bad um the uh and so yeah now when i backed it when i worked at cspire wireless one of the biggest problems i had were people just cramming uh, to the to the hilt, you know everything <laughs> they possibly could on their iPhone, and then come to us and say, "I my iPhone's worthless. I can't use it." And there would be zero bytes of space on their phone. And one thing about iPhones is that they're really cranky when they run out of space. Really, really cranky. Yep. And uh, and and so unless you have a phone that's either really old or um, just low on space on storage. Um, your applications are going to be just fine, no matter where you have them. Um, so, going back to you know favorite apps, I really do not have a single favorite app. I, I mean, maybe that's I don't know. I really, I really, really just don't. Every part of the iPhone, I just I really love. I mean, it's it's I have no pretty much no complaints. Um, so. If when it comes down, and I can organize that down to practicality. When it comes to practicality and daily end to end use. Joe, uh, Joe, one password is is really phenomenal. I mean, it really I use that all the time. It's on my home screen um, really for my is. work and the st- type of stuff that I do. I have all every social media application relative to to what I do currently in that one social uh, a folder on my home screen. And there's about uh, eighteen of eighteen social media apps in that folder. Um, Just think about uh, all the different login accounts. It, everything no. should have a unique password. Many things have different email addresses for the usernames. And on Twitter, my user handle is different from what it is on Facebook and Pinterest. So on and on the differentiation goes. And I just don't understand anyone who doesn't try to keep record of these things in a note or in a log app like these. Completely agree. One, let's talk about something fun. I guess uh, the reason I have the camera uh, application, and what's funny is, uh, just yesterday, I was looking at it again, wondering why I have it on there. And, and every time I do, I remember 3D Touch. I love using 3D Touch on the camera app for some reason. I like. Oh, really? Oh. I like the novelty of it. I don't know. And I use 3D Touch all the time for a little bit of everything, <clears throat> but for some reason, I love the. I just like it. It's, it's neat. Um, Calls now, up that quick, yeah, the quick action menu. So you got take photo, yeah. record slow mo, record video, and take selfie. I can see yep. why those are pretty practical. It's nice because the swipe gesture in the camera app to go from one mode to the next. Yep. Sometimes the tap targets are a little bit overly precise and difficult to pinpoint. 
and yep. you just angle the camera the wrong way. If you've got it turned uh, to portrait or landscape, it's hard to swipe it the direction it wants to switch modes. So mm -hmm. I can see a lot of benefit for the, the quick actions menu. And there's way more than one way to get to the camera app. If your phone is locked and we unlock <laughs> and swipe up from the bottom access con uh, uh, mission control, or I forget what the technical term is for it, um, access it there. Every time you do that, though, it defaults simply to the picture mode on the camera. So if you want to go immediately into slow motion, you got to go into the app from the lock screen, swipe over a few few pages until you get to the slow mo section on in the cam within the camera app. While you're in the phone, you can get to it the same way and you can also use the camera app and you know you're a you're a app junkie or either a productivity junkie when you sit there and stare at one app forever and figure out do i really want this app on my home screen let alone on my phone and by the way let's say since the time i was on this show last i've probably reorganized this home screen a half a dozen times yeah and i think we all have yeah it's never it's never a stationary thing. Um, and, and, you know, ways I've organized my home screen in the past uh, are, are pretty quirky, I guess. It just depends on who you are. But one way I've done it is that I only want apps on my home screen that I use every single day and, and try to fit them in that criteria. And literally, what you see right now is what I use every single day, with probably the exception of the remote that I use, remote application that I use for my brand new Apple TV, um, which which I'm so glad they finally got support for. Um, so everything else I use every single day, and and the games as well. I don't know. I actually don't know why I have games on there currently. I've just kind of forgot about it. Um, so, it was an interesting choice. I was going to get to that because yeah, you've got two folders on the home screen, and it's so close to the bottom it's it's very accessible to the phone the setting spot and the safari it's it's right down there it's just so easy to start a game on your oh, ios <laughs> and i think i think i remember why i did that so long ago now is because i i wanted to play more games on my iphone i wanted to get the more of experience and as i'm talking i'm remembering now i wanted to get more experience with gaming on the iphone right before the newest apple tv came out because oh. i knew that game functionality was coming at the apple tv and i'm pretty familiar with what that's like on the mac somewhat familiar with what it is on the iPhone, completely unfamiliar with what it was on the Apple TV. So on those three platforms, I was trying to get myself familiar with what gaming was like on each device. So I do remember why that's there. Um, one one reason, I, one way I use my own home screen is if I know that I want to use an app that I've never used before and I've heard a lot about it, I'll tend to kind of get it at least close to the home screen, maybe the second page, if not on the home screen, to remind me I need to test that app out. I want to. I want to use it more. And if it's if it's in front of me, I tend to do that. If it's if it's in a folder or at the other end of my iPhone homepages, I'll completely forget about it. So that's one reason I have badge icons on my uh, on my applications. I tend to treat those as to do lists, so to speak. Um, obviously, in reminders, those reminding me of stuff I have scheduled to do. Um, that visualization helps me get stuff done. Um, with email, unfortunately, I tend to treat email as to-do lists, which I, it's probably the wrong way to do email. But as of this moment, that's what that's my system for at least Gmail. We can get you help there, bro. <laughs> Thanks. I need to join a, a focus group. Um, so anyway, that's why badge icons are there. Um, so another way I've organized in the past is of of all those apps. 
sometimes the most apps, sometimes I put the apps I use most in any given day on the bottom half of the screen. And going back to your point of why on earth the games are on the bottom. Um, uh, so sometimes I will only put apps that I know I use the most every day to where only my, if I was holding my phone with one hand, I could know I could reach with my thumb, um, whether through reachability or just simply proximity. Um, so that's another re- way I've organized in the past. Generally, no folders. That's that's usually been a rule of thumb. I'm surprised they even have two folders on there right now. Um, and but it, that's, it's interesting that you should say it that way because I'm always very conscientious of where folders are kept. I have yeah. a good two or three rows of them on my first springboard after the home screen. And mm-hmm. I like to keep them all together because... They're like drawers, not exactly like drunk junk drawers. Some of them behave like <laughs> junk drawers, but I consider them like all drawers of uh, like a virtual dresser on my desk. And for that reason, I like them to be collected because even if they are different categories like uh, social media apps and utilities and extras I never get around to, they just behave like drawers and a dresser to me and uh, drawers and a dresser all belong together. They don't appear in different spots around your office or your bedroom. So to me, the metaphor only works for the, this kind of storage when they are clustered together. Um, but that's just me. I, I, whenever I see folders scattered throughout a group of apps, it's as distracting to me as seeing the alerts badge that's that bugs so many other people. Um, but then again, this is just, this is personal preference. It's, it's just our ticks. And this is it really one is. of the reasons why it is such a personal decision to have the badges, the, the camera app and the games, et cetera, on mm-hmm. our home screens. One time uh, I even decided to only leave default apps on my home screen and funnily enough, it was for the sole reason of preserving the newness of my iPhone. <laughs> and uh, that feel of opening an iPhone for the first time and seeing those canned apps, you know, lined up on the home screen. I, I like that. I like that first time experience with a new iPhone. And you handled and, uh, that phone only with white gloves. Yes. With, and with a British accent. Mm. <laughs> I've, I've actually done similar things uh, and tried to tried to preserve that. That Johnny Ive, you know, experience that this is how I should be experiencing it, right? So, I've done I've done that same thing, um, and and then it just kind of slowly slowly evolves over time. Like, okay, we don't need this one. I, I really don't need this, and and, and all of that. Um, so, I guess uh, taking a quick look at mine, I, I've got I've kind of balanced mine between things I use every day and are like staples. I just need them all the time. I'm, I'm constantly checking uh, Mint. Uh, the Mint app. I don't know if you guys use that uh, for tracking personal finances and all of that. We're constantly keeping up to date on that. Um, and then also, th- you know, things like uh, you know, Tweetbot and OmniFocus, obviously, uh, Spark, uh, email, uh, things I use every day. Uh, and th- also balancing it with uh, things I'm kind of experimenting with. Like uh, I am, I do use uh, Scannable a lot for uh, uh, obviously scanning things, and it syncs up really nicely with uh, Evernote. Uh, but I've been uh, trying the Scanner Pro uh, beta. Um, I guess just back, backing up a little bit, I, I started harassing Riedel on uh, uh, tw- uh, on Twitter, and I really wanted the beta program for the uh, Spark on the iPad. And so they they finally gave me access. And when they give you access, you get access to like the betas of all of their software, which was 
really cool. So yeah, I've been trying to trying out all the all of their uh, different apps. So that's kind of where uh, where that Scanner Pro came in. Um, Typically, what kind of files are you scanning? Oh, it could be anything. I mean, just a, I mean a bill, uh, a receipt, anything that I'm. Yeah, anything, any sort of paper that I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't need to keep. Um, so yeah, anything, business card, whatever. I, I have a little side story here, uh, a confession, sort of, that I very naively believed at one time that scanning with my phone was so easy that I would scan all of my children's homework when they brought it home from school. Because they would have, you know, cute pictures on them. And you could see how their handwriting developed over the years and whether their grades were improving and the cute notes from their teachers and the colored pictures. And it's really interesting. The stuff that they bring home from school is stuff I really want to see. My wife wants to, too. But, ah, guys, there's like six or seven sheets from each of them every day. And I was using a very good scan app on the iPhone and it was, it's altogether really fast and it was good because I could store them in Dropbox and everything was dated and I could differentiate my son's files from my daughter's, but it was so time consuming. We're looking at like maybe five minutes for each child's per day. But what? it was just the cognizant for five five pieces of paper. I mean, that's not a very good scanner app if it takes a minute per paper. Well, you got to think about the process here. Like, if my children just dump the papers on the kitchen counter, I can pick them up and sift, 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 sift. Oh, that's cool. Okay, sift, sift. Okay, she passed this on to the wife. She looks at it. Flip, flip, flip. Okay, that's oh, nice. Oh, did you see this? Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, we can throw them in the trash. <laughs> you know, but then if you introduce the phone, you got to, you know, open the phone, find the app, turn it on, go in there, write a name, hit the camera app, hold it over the document, wait for it to position. It, it fi- identifies the corners. It says, come in closer, you know, hit the, 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 the snap button. Okay, good. Now, oh, I want to crop the corner over on the right. Okay. And I crop the corner on the right. Okay. Now add another sheet. Okay. Wait for it to load. It's added to one. Okay. Now add another. And, and you get, you go through this. And then when you get to the end of the process, it's saving all the six or seven files like pages together and that takes maybe 15 to 30 seconds to save the pdf version and then it takes another uh say 15 to 30 seconds to save it to dropbox even though there are quick actions for all of these steps it's just the accumulation of all of them that takes a little bit of time so if you miss a day and then you're gathering together your child's work from yesterday and today together you're just compounding the issue now you got to differentiate today's date from yesterday's date and so yeah i gave up that idea a long time ago (laughs) i i still think you should look into other scanning apps i I also don't think you should be saving every piece of homework that that seems crazy yeah but, like i uh, said i was yeah. i was i don't know what i was thinking i wasn't thinking uh, i'm <laughs> over the, that now. i really like scannable it it uh it it automatically find you know automatically finds it it, it automatically captures it and you can go through things very quickly i mean it, it, it's just i mean it's very quick and also i use it uh for scanning in old photographs we recently went through piles of old photographs baby pictures uh you know of like myself and my wife and we're like we don't need these big piles of photographs anymore so we we just basically i just scanned a bunch of uh old photos in and put them into the photos so uh it's good for that too also i just uh was listening to mac power users and they were really raving about the interact app 
I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but basically it's a uh, uh, it's a contacts management. It's just a little bit more powerful. Uh, it's got a pretty cool feature where you can create a contact and just basically type in a bunch of stuff about the person and it has like recognition of like, oh, this must be a name and this must be a phone number and this must be an email and it kind of automatically puts all of that stuff together for you. So that's kind of cool for um, uh, for creating new contacts and then organizing them into groups, which uh, is a is a weak spot on the, the, the native contacts uh, app. Um, and also, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I've raved enough about Spark uh, on the show yet, uh, but Spark is one of my favorite apps. It is beautiful. It is super functional, super customizable. I love the, the snooze feature. I love everything about it. And, you know, they, I'm running the beta and, and it's, the betas are always solid and I've been running it on the iPad as well. And it is just a great email client, my favorite I've ever, I've ever used. I have that app, but I don't have the red ribbon around mine. Why well, that, is yours beta? Yeah, that, um, it's just because I, uh, I I bugged them and got access to their uh, beta program. So basically, oh. you you download like a their their beta program app, and then from there you install apps. So you don't you're not actually installing it from the app store, if that makes sense. I see. And you have to give that app permissions in in settings, but but it's basically like a little mini uh, app store for that developer. Really so, cool. yeah, there's there's like six or seven or I don't know how many different apps that they've got, uh, like like the uh, the PDF uh, their PDF uh, program on the iPad. Uh, it's like twenty bucks, you know. It's you know free to me, so it's pretty pretty neat. Spark is amazing, and of course there's the the go to OmniFocus for a lot of a lot of us, uh, which you know I, I couldn't run my life without OmniFocus at this point. So huge OmniFocus fan as well. But you're also using Wonderlist. Can you explain the differentiation for you? Yeah, I, it's it's completely because uh, one of the things OmniFocus lacks is uh, really shareability or sharing to-do lists, and Wonderlist does that really well. And so we've got uh, all of the kids' chores and school assignments and all sorts of uh, basically family-related shared items on all of the kids' iOS devices. We've got their own accounts set up and, and all of that, so we can assign it to individuals. We can have it repeat uh, every day, You know, take out the garbage or, or whatever, uh, brush your teeth at 7 o'clock, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, so yeah, all the kids have Wonderlist on their home screens, and uh, we kind of manage them digitally with that. So that's what I use Wonderlist for. Okay. All right, coming back to my screen here, um, a few that I could really mention. One of the things, one of the themes of my home screen is productivity apps. I have always been kind of nerdy about efficiency, and I feel like, first and foremost, my computers, including my pocket computer, is a productivity device. I lusted over Newtons back in the day, and I never had one and others like it before that focused on organization. So on my phone, on my home screen, there is a number that are dealing with efficiency and time tracking, records, invoicing, my focus, and the like. I too also use OmniFocus and Wonderlist. I endorse them for the exact same reasons that Joshua has in mind. 
I've been using a few different versions of OmniFocus, and I'm very pleased with the current one. Sometimes I find the interface on iOS a little bit cumbersome because it's so flat. I'm not exactly sure, like, what exactly is does this shape represent around the text? Oh, it means it's a header. <laughs> and it doesn't really, like, make sense to me. But Wonderlist, that's just so beautiful. It's a little bit outdated now with a bit more three-dimensional texturing and lining and color coding, but I like it. It's a beautiful app and it's easier to navigate. But still, OmniFocus has all the tools, all the features, anything you could possibly want for personal uh, task management. But alongside of these, I have the Hours app and the Focus app. Hours it was recently updated to version 2. Hours is great for time tracking and seeing a graph of where you're using your time. But it's also great if you want to track time for your client projects and build them based on that. So you can export well, via PDF and the like and send it to yourself via email so you can easily put together those invoices based on these. Or you can also look at Hours online if you get a paid membership. I think it's $7.99 a month now. And you can get all this information right from the web app anywhere you are in the world. That doesn't hurt. But I'm using primarily hours on the phone. That's how I'm accustomed to it. I started with version one and I've talked some with Olson, the app developer. And, you know, there are some growing pains experienced right now with version two, but it's totally worth it because it has a clean interface. It makes sense. It's memorable enough that you know, if you if you have trouble remembering when to start and stop your important timers, uh, it, no app is really going to help you with that. But if you can if you can make the point to remember, I got to start my timers in hours for the sake of my clients and records keeping. Then this is the way to go. You can have multiple color coding. You can have different clients. You can create different tasks within projects and track all this kind of information with hours. And it's just, it's made a great contribution. Uh, now, beside that, I have the Focus app, which we have from Jan on a previous episode, the app developer behind Focus. And this app has just really changed my game. In a regular workday, you get the lull in the afternoon where you're pretty tired. You, you kind of complain that you ate too much for lunch and you're ready for a power nap and maybe you just can't stop work. Because, well, like seriously, what work environment, what boss is going to let you stop to take a power nap? And I faced those situations in the past. And also uh, problems with just maintaining my levels of concentration at my desk or on my projects. And Focus really takes care of all this the way that it uses the Pomodoro technique so that you create a task list. These are the things I want to get done today. And you can order them if that is floats your boat. Or you can just use them in a random order. Then you start a Pomodoro uh, timer. And with that Pomodoro timer, it will give you notifications when the Pomodoro is done. And by default, it's 25 minutes like all Pomodoro timers are for the sake of this productivity method. And it automatically will give you a notification. Are you ready to start a five-minute break? And if you're not ready, you can extend your productivity time another five minutes. Uh, it's very flexible. So we talked about that in a previous episode. We'll give you a link to that in the show notes where you can uh, see how all that works and why I love it so much. I'm using it more and more, and I'm also using the Mac app version. And it's interesting to see how this app keeps in sync across iOS and the Mac and the different features. And it, they each, each version complements 
the theme behind this app. I'm using it on the watch. It's just great. Uh, also, another noteworthy mention is this new app called Hound by SoundHound. Are you all familiar with this? Uh, I'm not. It sounds familiar, but no, I'm not. Okay, I think you both will really enjoy the concept. I think everybody at one time or other was fascinated and then eventually disenchanted with Siri because she doesn't understand what you're saying or she's not very responsive, that she lacks connectivity to the internet and maybe she doesn't understand the thread of a conversation when you're trying to give her multiple bits of you know requests. So you have to be painstakingly obvious in how you word things to Siri sometimes. And Hound gets around this so that you can ask very complex questions and she'll respond, or should I say, Hound will respond with all the answers together. So this is especially good when you're asking for data that is available online. She behaves like a personal assistant that gets all this done really lightning fast. And it uses the Siri voice, which I'm accustomed to. You can change the speed at which Hound speaks back to you, just like you can change the speed that Siri speaks back to you. And not only does the app just work and is the interface well laid out so that you can easily read the information, it's actually just a very user-friendly app. Like, I admire the handiwork going on here. Uh, I wish that Siri was a bit more like this. Now, where it obviously doesn't work is... If you asked Hound to put something on your calendar or your reminders or to create a note in notes, it doesn't take inputs and put them into apps for you and creating your own data. But right now, if there's anything online that you want to request that Hound pulled down for you, you can easily retrieve that information. So uh, that is my last recommendation. Anybody else want to throw in one more mention? Um, I have just downloaded this um app called listen i think i sent it to you basically it's an, another interface for access, accessing uh, music on your phone um, instead of using the music.app or whatever they call it um, because it's, that interface is terrible and it's very uh, we'll just have to put a link into the show notes for better description because i can't really describe it it's, it's basically there's no buttons you kind of just use gestures to navigate music and stuff like that it's it's uh, it's pretty slick nice Micah, going back to your, uh, your screen here, I wanted to ask, you have iTunes on the home screen, and I was wondering, what is your uh, idea behind using the iTunes store today, as, uh, considering you also have Spotify on the home page, or the home screen? Lately, I've been looking at a lot of movies uh, on iTunes to compare rental prices of all things, um, because we, well, I have um, an iTunes account, an Amazon Prime account, I have uh, Netflix, there's a couple of, there's a few ways I can get a hold of video or movies to watch, and um, I found a lot of people give really honest reviews on iTunes of movies, and, and I, I find a resource in that. Um, through iTunes, um, I have a lot of music uh, that I downloaded through iTunes and purchased years ago. I mean, I really have a lot of music there. So I don't keep a lot of times. I don't keep all of it on my phone. Uh, with a few taps, I can have it right back on my phone by going into purchase history in iTunes. Um, and so I don't do that regularly. Uh, I'm predominantly right now I use iTunes as a reference app. I, I look at a lot of, uh, media, um, 
even different album information? I, I don't know. It, that's a good question. It's one question I need to ask more about that particular app. Um, have you, uh, have you, um, uh, do you use, uh, iTunes match service? It's like 30 bucks a year. I don't. Yeah. I, really, yeah, I, really I don't. would recommend that if you have a lot oh. of iTunes stuff and you don't want to keep it on your phone, although you have a 128 gig iPhone, you've got no excuse. But <laughs> uh, uh, iTunes match basically, I mean, it's like I said, 30 bucks a year. And it, basically, you can see all of the music you have. And instead of doing that extra step of going to iTunes and downloading it and then going back to music and playing it, you can download it right from the, right from the music app. So I want to think about Very that. Very cool. And you can also do it even within the music app itself. Right now, it just takes you to the iTunes app. Um, so I really, that is a little redundant there for sure. Um, and I also am a subscriber to Apple Music. And right now, it's strictly for comparison's sake with Spotify. I was originally a Spotify user. Um, and believe it or not, at this moment, I am comparing the two. So that's another reason why they're on there. Um, so I have to make a decision. I've been paying for Apple Music for a little while now. Um, so that's that's about to go down. Um, no pun intended. And which way are me- you leaning? Uh, believe it or not, I'm leaning towards Spotify. Um, <laughs> just because I, I don't know, I'm used to it. And really, most people, when they're using applications on their phone, use them just because they, you know, have a, a, a level of comfort with them that they are not willing to give up to try for a different app that may do things similarly to the similarly to the one they're they're using currently. Um, Spotify is that. Example, um, yeah, I'm not 100% satisfied with Apple Music's interface. Um, it's new. I, I give it that. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I like Spotify. I like its, its, uh, its, its aesthetic. Its, its functionality. It's, it's, it's great. It really is a nice app. Um, I like the ability to, um, if I'm playing music and I approach my Mac, I can tap uh, on a feature that makes it immediately start playing on my Mac to kind of pick up where I left off, which is neat. That is a um, nice touch. Yeah, so it, it, it's neat. So it's there, and I'm, I'm siding with it so far. So um, one thing I use that y'all do not use is uh, the podcast app, um, and I, I think it's an appropriate I do love the podcast app icon. It's classic. I, 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 I'm a little bit nerdy about purple. It's a, it's one of my favorites. Oh, so both of you use Overcast. I've heard a ton of about that application. I just never have sat down and tried it out. Um, partly because I really don't have an excuse yet. I have <laughs> I, when we were tra- when we were transitioning from iOS six to iOS seven, the podcast app really really struggled, and a lot of people think that maybe it's still really struggling. They have come a long way, um, and another reason. And another reason why I'm keeping it currently is because we just got a, a podcast functionality on the Apple TV. I don't know if Overcast will work on Apple TV. I imagine it will if if it hasn't already. If you, um, if you what is it called, uh, Air Display or Air uh, AirPlay? AirPlay. Thank you. Okay, so yes, uh, but as far as a native app, um, the podcast app is a native app on the Apple TV. That's a good point. Um, and so, if you're accustomed to using anything on Apple TV for sound material media, that, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah. One reason I, c- I might be able to tip you on this towards Overcast's favor is I believe one of the best innovations for any iOS app ever is this feature called Smart Speed, where without manipulating the playback of what people are saying, 
you they tri- it trims out algorithmically some of the dead silence between uh, people speaking, breathing, uh, even even in minute ways between sentences and other kinds of pauses. So the show feels tighter. It feels more energetic. And usually it doesn't hurt a show unless it's a well-engineered one, like an NPR show where they're crafting a story. If it's a talk show, it sounds amazing because it can make a a slow show that kind of drags uh, hold your attention better, but it also cuts down on the overwhelming lengths of some of these podcasts. So in small ways, we're talking about maybe 1.2 times its original speed, and you'll never be the wiser until you turn off the speed one day and you listen to what these talk show host guys sound like without it on, and you realize how much better it makes their shows. So it just really makes for tight shows, and I love it for that reason. But I, I believe that podcasts is also a fabulous app if uh, that kind of that kind of feature isn't really relevant to you. you. You actually answered my own question. I was trying to think in my mind, you know, would I really like the natural discussions in a podcast kind of be sped up in a, in a way in terms of cutting out the extra, you know, conversational uh, uh, aspect of a show like that um, in terms of the natural you know, how we, how we speak and pause and, and breathe and all that. But uh, until you said that when, when you try it and realize after you go back, um, you know, you're, you're going to wish you had it back. That's a, that's a really uh, persuasive, persuasive argument to try it out. Um, I need to try it out. I've never tried that, uh, that, that feature. So that's definitely something to consider. Really. I don't listen to any show that um, I really have any major complaints about. I will delete a show for bad audio um, before I will delete it for maybe, you know, long drawn out pauses or anything like that, or maybe inefficient organization of, of content material or whatever. Mm. But, um, so the, the, the show will be long gone before I ever get to that reason. But, um, so interesting. I'll, I'll definitely look into that. Um, we have a couple of different, uh, applications on each of our home screens for cloud computing. Um, I have iCloud drive and transporter, um, uh, Joshua, you have Dropbox and, uh, not seeing anything on yours, uh, Joe, but I, I, I guess we all do some element of cloud computing. I do. I just kind of keep it on the next springboard. Yeah. I've got the, my whole office suite there with one drive. I use that, that a lot as well. Uh, and Google drive is in there in my Google folder. So yeah, I, I use all of those. I, I mean, I use iCloud for mainly for apps like in the background like like pages will save to to iCloud I, I just be, because it by definition is not as open and sharing uh, you know as as Dropbox um, I just I just tend to stick with Dropbox very neat um, you know uh, the, the, the way people use cloud computing applications now is really neat how we can use our home screens um, as portals to other pieces of tech that we have and access data. Uh, these, these phones are extremely, extremely powerful. And so many people uh, unbelievably underutilize it. Um, most people don't see their iPhones as personal computers. And, and Joe, you mentioned that, that phrase. They really are. I mean, these things are so capable now. Um, and consequently, you know, 
people just don't tap into their iPhone's real capabilities. Um, and even the iPhone has come a long way in being, in being a really productive, productive device. Um, the way I really organize my apps is, is with a big picture mindset. Um, it, I mean, it may be built on nitpicky reasons like, will my thumb be able to reach that very important app? But, um, the reason they're there currently is for a very specific reason. And when I, when I service other people's iPhones and see, you know, when I immediately lock it up and they have 10 different pages and the first page uh, has never been touched since they first purchased their iPhone. It's just the same apps that come out of the box, you know, never been moved. Um, the, the phone app has, Fifth, uh, one thousand five hundred and forty-two voicemails, and you know, <laughs> there's no, there's badge icons everywhere. I flip down their notification center, and there's months and months of notifications that they'd never deleted because they don't know that they can push out a Lex and get rid of them forever. Nine hundred and ninety-nine um, available updates in the app store. Yes, uh, I'm out of space. <laughs> there, I can't take any more photos. You know, they just kind of let life happen to their iPhones. And mainly because they don't know what they don't know. They just don't know that you could create a folder for these apps that are pretty consistent when it comes to functionality. So you can, you know, at least begin the process of organizing how you use this little computer. Um, and, and so I want to kind of bring that back to the app store um, where all these apps come from. Um, I, I firmly believe that. There are many, many people out there that could literally use only the apps that come with their iPhone and be and, and make them all work for their particular lifestyle. I, I really do believe that. Yeah, too much um, better effect than they are now. Maybe so. Yeah, and 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 in that regard, we could eke by in in this wonderful first world of ours with just the apps that Apple gives us. Um, they're very, very capable of doing much more than we give them credit for. But the App Store takes it to an unbelievably new level. And I think it's the way it was sold when it first came out was so unbelievable, so new. Um, and nowadays, I don't, I go to the App Store for one of two things. I will hear a podcast and somebody mention an app and I'll go look at it. And number two, I will go and update my apps. Yeah. That is really what I use the App Store for. And I don't like automatic updates because I like seeing the update notes. I like seeing what's going to be new as compared to what I currently am used to. Same here. Um, and, and I like that. I, I think it's a great element. Um, it reminds me of podcast show notes. I can see what's happening, what's being talked about, what's changing, where we're moving forward to. So I love that aspect of the App Store. Um, I do not browse the App Store like I browse YouTube or Instagram. Um, and I think that was one of the first ideas behind the app store. People will be able to sit back in their recliners with their, with their, you know, iPhone or iPad and be able to see what cool new uh, applications are out there and test them out and try them out. Um, yeah, certainly most of the nerds did that back in the day. Yeah. And I, and I dare say they still do, but but not to the extent, um, because so many apps are capable of doing so many overlapping things now. Um, we've kind of started to settle. We're, we're settling for what we've got on our phones. Um, and until something just really catches our attention, will we ever go and venture back to the app store? Um, with that being said, I don't think the app store is dead or even dying. I think that it needs to um, maybe re they need to rethink how 
how we're using these tools and why we're using these tools, these applications, um, and then how they can better curate uh, to individuals' needs on the iPhone. I wish we could have that appreciation again for the early days of development, and I still don't think a lot of people do uh, to pre- uh, appreciate what goes behind making a good app. I know I don't, um, and it's far more than just functionality. It's it's aesthetics. It's it's um, just a ton of things, and a lot of people put their heart and soul behind them. Um, so apps are amazing. I, I remember when I um, first was able to download the App Store on an iPod um, when it first when the one of the first iPod touches came out, and uh, it was a whole new world. And it was amazing, a new experience, um, and. Even when I remember going back to what we were talking about with folders, you know, we have all these applications we don't know what to do with anymore. We just kind of stuff them in a folder, um, and we label them different things to help us remember what what's buried in them. Uh, as the years have gone by, I've used folders less and less because they're at first they were a novelty and it felt it felt great. The satisfaction of putting a an app in an organized fashion into a folder was great. Especially um, if you wanted many apps that were of yeah. a similar category. And yeah. a lot of people organize all their apps into folders and it, pretty much everything on the home screen besides what's in the dock is in a folder. And all the more power to you, especially if you're using well over 50, 60 apps. I think that that makes more sense. It does. It really does. Um, I think if I had to give a tip to anybody currently not satisfied with the functionality of their iPhone, it would be this. Start with every page you have, maybe the the farthest page away from the home screen, and literally spend a few seconds per app and ask, have I used this app um, in the past month? Do I use it at all? Um, Have I just forgotten about it? And uh, begin being more intentional about you know, what is on your home screen. And again, a good tool of the, uh, excuse me, what is on your entire iPhone, but a good tool in the app store is um, the ability to re-download apps that you've previously downloaded. They're not gone forever when you delete them. So, I mean, I know a lot of people say, well, if I delete it, I'm not going to be able to, that feeling and satisfaction of seeing the ability to do something with a particular app gone um, scares a lot of people. So they just leave it until they, you know, you know, till they finally one day realize they don't need it. But try to only see what on your phone what you know you'll need, um, and start there. Get intentional behind even where they're at, where they're located, and uh, begin making the iPhone um, work for you. Even though the iPhone will still work nigh flawlessly if everything was completely topsy turvy, and you had your phone full of apps that you'll never use in a million years. You know, it's really a personal preference thing. Um, but I firmly believe that uh, home screens always reveal whether the user is generally intentional or passive. All right. Thank you very much, Micah, for joining us at Good Thoughts. We have one other thing we wanted to talk about, though, today. We need to make a little announcement. And it concerns our regular show, uh, our ske- show schedule. We have now, this is episode 49, we have made consecutive episodes for the last 49 weeks, and it's a lot of excellent show material. Most of our episodes averaged out at 45 minutes in length. A few of them went up to 60 minutes. I think uh, two or three of them go over the uh, 60-minute mark, like this episode. There's just so much to cover. But we do need to change what our regular show schedule is just because we have a lot in our plate right now with life and the needs of this show. I want to continue the show. There's the show is not going anywhere, but for the time being with some personal adjustments to my schedule and work-life balance, 
I need to switch to a once every other week basis. And Joshua is experiencing some of the same kind of heavy load in life right now. So I thought now was a good time to make it this transition. So this will be the uh, coming out, I guess it is March 11th. And the next episode will be available on March 24th. Any thoughts, Josh? Uh, no, I mean, I think we, we, we chatted about it offline uh, earlier, earlier today, and we are both uh, loaded down. And, and, and you put a lot more time into the show, obviously, than I do. I mean, you do a lot of the show prep and then all the post-production, but a lot to deal with. But yeah, I enjoy the show, enjoy, enjoy doing it. We're just just drowning. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just one of the seasons of life. I've actually considered this off and on because I've been producing shows since 2012. I would like to have seasons of shows, but I don't want to be one of those guys that has like a hundred episodes in his first season. And then he starts season two and declares that season two is only going to have six episodes. (laughs) I've I've seen everything done under the sun with a podcast uh, show schedule. And One of the things I was really considering was it would be awfully nice to have the summer off because I could focus on some other personal projects and then come back refreshed in the fall. But I also don't want to do that because I think it does a disservice to the listeners. I think that you're going to go right on wanting to listen to something uh, from week to week. So uh, the the whole month off, uh, sorry, the whole summer off schedule is just way too long for me. And I would probably be itching to get back to the microphone as well. I feel like this is the right way to go. I'm doing the same thing for my coffee show, topbrew.fm. And I'm going to make one episode uh, for the coffee show one week, and the next week it'll be an episode of Tectonic. So you'll always be able to hear me on one of the two shows. And also there's big things coming up uh, here in the next few months. We are trying to put together a podcast network, and this will give me some more time to work on creating, building that podcast network with some of our friends behind the scenes. And very important stuff to continue the shows. We need that to come together. And there's no time like the present to switch to the new schedule. So thank you very much, Micah, for holding on. Uh, hold it. Uh, thank you very much, Micah, for joining us for this entire episode. It's a real pleasure to have you. We're going to have to do it again soon. Oh, I would, I would love that. This is really a, a thrill. I'm, I'm glad, glad to be here. Yeah, podcasts are just one of the, one of the best mediums ever. They are. They are. I, I really don't think everybody, the, the populace, really doesn't appreciate as as well. And we've been doing it for a while. I mean, podcasts have been around since, since good grief, uh, 14 years now. Yeah. They're not, they're not new. <laughs> That's for sure. Not anymore. So thanks everybody else for joining us for this episode, episode 49 of the podcast. Show notes are available at tectonic.fm slash 49, where you'll get links to everything that we discussed. The show is at Tectonic FM on Twitter. I'm JCS Darnell. My co-host is at Joshua Piper, and Micah is at Micah underscore Pogue. Pogue spelled P-O-G-U-E. And if you want to show your support for Tectonic, head over to iTunes and give us a star rating. And if you want to email me or Joshua or Micah, send your messages to hello at tectonic.fm. I have been Joe Darnell. Thanks for listening to Tectonic. Goodbye.